Being a father, you know, we talk about Father's Day, and one of the things, this is the same theme, you know, as we talk about topically. You know, we have this experience of birth, and I always tell fathers, or young men who haven't had children before they have a baby, was you get ready to have that baby, there's things that you'll learn about yourself, and you'll find out there's places in your heart that didn't know that were there. When you hold that baby in your hands for the first time, hardened men will shed tears. It's so transforming that the purple raisin can change your life that much. People say, oh, birth is so beautiful. No, it's like Vietnam. You know, metaphorically, it's beautiful, yes, but it's not a pretty thing. And then you get this purple raisin in your hand, right? But I love it hearing the patter of the little feet on the floor, the snuggling in bed, kissing their sweet little cheeks, onesies. Hearing the kids giggle throughout the house. Dads, didn't you love that? Hearing your children giggle when they're younger. Now as they're older and teens, it's not so funny anymore. <laughs> hearing the children sing throughout the house. I love that. I love hearing the kids sing and singing, just singing out of joy from their hearts. Uh, I, I do not enjoy boyfriends. In America, in our society, masculinity and fatherhood, however, is being attacked by our society. To be masculine is being attacked on all sides. They're saying that men need to be a little more feminine. We need to be a, a little more in touch with our feelings. Show our emotions through tears. Be vulnerable. But when we stop honoring masculinity, it creates problems. Because see, a man who's truly a man honors women. We look out for them. Men are, are geared by God to run into fires to save people. Every war has been won by men that were tough and leaders and compassionate and did it for a reason. Ladies, I want to tell you, if you want to really, really build up your husband and have a great marriage, is honor your husband in that aspect of wanting to be a hero. He wants to be a hero to his children and to his wife. If you're verbally beating him up and putting him down, that's not the way to go at it. He's never going to change. Encourage him. Tell him, oh, you're so wonderful. You're such a hero. That's why he'll get up in the middle of the night when, when the neighbor across the street has a broken water tank and he'll get up and he'll go over there and fix it to help somebody. God put that, that's, that's what be, is being masculine is all about. Can I get a amen? We want to we lead our families. Listen to these statistics. 61% of churchgoers are women. 39% are men. Why is that? Because a lot of people say, well, church is too feminine for men. They don't want to hold hands. That's why I say put your hands on your shoulders sometimes. They don't want to walk in and have all these flowers and purple and pink and, and all this touchy-feely thing. Because men want to be men. We want to come up here with camo on. We want to be able to go, ooh. Right? Come on, guys. Right? We don't want to come to church and have to cry and, and have to sob and, and, and get in touch with our feminists. Men want to be strong. And that one of the things that keeps men out of church, another reason might be because they're headstrong. Because we're bullheaded. Listen to these statistics. If a child is the first person in the family saved, 3.5% of the time the family gets saved. If the mother gets saved first, 17% of the family gets saved. Listen to this statistic, Dad. If a dad gets saved first, 93% of the time, the whole family comes to Christ. 
93%. I'm going to put it on pause in a second. Now, I'm going to just say, I realize whenever I preach a sermon like this, out going out the door, i got single moms and grandmoms get mad at me. But I want to honor the men today because men are important. Created by God. One man, one woman. If you're a single mom, I realize you've got two jobs. Let's give single moms in here a hand this morning. If you're a single mom or grandma. But that doesn't take away from the fact that we need the men and the future dads in this church to be men and masculine in a godly context. Dads, you're going to have an impact on your family. Your whole family. Four times in the Bible it says he and his whole household. You affect your whole household. Ladies, we know mom is number one in kids' lives. It'll never go away. But men, you are important also in the lives and leading your family to Christ. Where are you leading your family and how you live your life? The things that you say, everything that you do and say opens the door for your children to do and say. If you drink, your children will drink. If you smoke, your children will smoke. If you are unfaithful to your wife, your children will be unfaithful to their spouses. But if you follow Christ, your children will follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The power of being a dad. Now again, if you're a single mom or a single grandmom today, because you have the Lord, He's watching out over your children. So people hear these statistics and say, well, my children are doomed. No, no, no. You're in a church. You're in a body of Christ. And God's going to make up that difference. But this morning, again, I want to understand how important fathers are. Dr. Gail Gross says, fathers are central to the emotional well-being of their children. Your child's primary relationship with his or her father can affect all of the child's relationships from birth to death. It's impossible to overestimate the importance of dad. For example, girls who have good relationships with their fathers tend to do better in math. In 1960, only 5% of Americans, American children were born out of wedlock. Today, over 40% of children are born without a father. 40%. Because so you can see as a pastor why the issue, and it all feeds into suicide. It feeds into bullying. It feeds into sex trafficking. It all is a number that's attached to this right here. And I, I believe it is a challenge and a call. I don't care if you're 90. It's a challenge and a call for us to find those without fathers and be a fatherly and godly experience. I mean, I mean person and influence. And to our own families, be the man that God has challenged us and called us to be. Can I get an amen? amen? In some ethnic groups, that number, by the way, is 70% fatherless. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 90%. 85% of all children who show behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists, 80% of rapists with anger issues come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 70% of youth in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youth in 85% of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. This is a message to everybody here today. Ladies, if you're looking for a man, you need to find a man that loves Jesus and will stay in that relationship. 
Young men, look at the challenge that God is calling all of us. We, no one wants their children to be in prison or in jail. No one wants to sit their children to end up in this. 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. Daughters of single parents without a father, 711% more likely to have children as teenagers. 164% more likely to have premarital birth. 92% more likely to get divorced. Men, in 2019, God is calling us to rise up to the challenge. To meet the needs of the young men and women in this church that do not have a dad. And if you're sitting here this morning and your dad is not in your life, we want you to know that this church loves you and cares about you. Can I get an amen? There are men of God. You Come on, you can praise. You go ahead, clap your hands. And I want to say to fathers, too, there's a statistic out there right now. 70% of all suicides are white, middle-aged men. Dad, we need you. And if you're depressed and you're struggling and you're thinking about suicide, your family needs you. You may not feel like there's hope, but there's hope in Christ. There's, if you just need to reach out to someone, there is hope and help this morning. Men, if you are struggling with that, please don't. Just for your family's sake, please reach out to someone. Let them know that you're in need emotionally. On the cross, the greatest gift or a greatest act of love was shown to us by our Father. Dads, and the call to be a father is a call we all know to sacrifice. We sacrifice our time financially. We sacrifice our time in ministering to our family and our children's. I don't know of any dad that wouldn't lay his life down for his wife and his children. As godly men, the greatest responsibility we have is ensuring our children see and experience the bountiful love of God. Listen, listen. Your job, guys, come on, men, raise your hand. If you're a dad, raise your hand, dads. Come on, raise your hand, dad. Every dad, everybody here. Your job is to express the bountiful love of God to your children and those other children in this church that need dad. To let them see what God is like in the flesh. Incarnational proclamation. Jesus came and showed us what God was like in the flesh. Now, we as believers, filled with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit living on the inside are to show those around us what, what the bountiful love of God is. And yes, you are imperfect. And yes, children, your dad's going to make mistakes. But we still go on. And you know, one of the things is, is that it's important that our kids see us make mistakes. Because they're not perfect either. How do we handle failures? How do we handle problems? How do we handle when we lose a job? How do we handle when we get in a fight? How do we handle those things in life? That's what we need to show our children. Forgiveness. Dealing with failures and successes. Every father here probably is going to say, I feel inadequate. You remember that time when you got the baby, right? And they handed you the baby. And they put your wife in a wheelchair. And then they handed the baby to your wife. They wheeled you out on the, on the street and they said, see you later. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Not maybe it was just me. I don't know. Maybe y'all just, you all were ready for that first child. You know, you get that baby. You're like, what do we do now? <laughs> we, we're supposed to take it home. <laughs> do what with it? Right? Come on. You know, we felt inadequate. But you may, it's amazing as we took those steps, 
how God intervened and showed us how to raise those children. Galatians 2.20, you say, I failed. I'm a mess. My kids have seen me fail. I failed miserably. But because of the cross of Christ, our past doesn't define our future. Christ, listen man, Christ's victory on the cross defines your future. Your mistakes don't define your future. That's all forgotten by God. Even if you've been a horrible father up to this point today, today is the day that you start anew and God can wipe away those mistakes and He can bring healing and hope and success in those areas. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ living in me. The only way that we can be fathers, truly fathers at God, is letting Christ live through us in our lives. Day to day, yes, we're going to fail, but letting Christ shine through our lives. The greatest teaching tool we'll have is lives live before our children. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's caught. If they see you reading, they're going to read. If they see you loving on your wife, they're going to love on their wife. Whatever they see us doing, whatever they're immersed in, whatever we're, is coming out of us, they're going to imitate. It's more than a man's identity. It's a refuge he makes for his children. I want you to think about this for a minute. I love, this is one of my favorite passages in Samuel. The God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation... My stronghold and my refuge. Now, obviously, God is our stronghold and our refuge when we are parenting because God knows we need that refuge when we're parenting. Because sometimes you just want to kill people, right? You know? So when you get the wiffle ball bat out and you start chasing people around the house. I don't do that. I'm just kidding. I thought about it in my mind maybe a couple of times, you know. I think about the thing Mark Twain says where you stick the child in a barrel and you put the lid on the barrel and then when they turn teenagers, you plug the hole, you know. But... Uh, no, we've got great kids. God's blessed us. But it's a refuge. Dads, we're, we're to be a place of refuge where our kids can come and cry. Our kids can come and ask for advice. Our kids can come and feel accepted. Our kids can come and hear, I am proud of you. I'm proud of who you are. How many times, Dad, have you said to your kids, I'm so glad God gave you to me. How many times have you said, I love you to your kids? How many times have you, every night, when our till the time that they got out of the house, praying for them every night, telling they love them, and blessing them every single night of their life, providing that refuge, that place of protection when they go to bed at night and they lay their head down and all the worries of the world go away because they know mom and dad is in the next room. Timothy 5.8 says, but if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for the of his household he has deni denied the faith if you call yourself a Christian it is a command to provide for your household that's not just financial it's spiritual but if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever it's a command to provide not just financial, but every area, spirit, soul, and body to our children. Protect and encourage. I want to just read a little bit on the prodigal son. 
We know the prodigal son, he goes away, he asks for his inheritance, insults the father because the father's not dead. He takes all of his inheritance, he goes away and he blows it. He ends up with no friends and he's working for some stranger, a heathen, and he's feeding pigs. That's how we know he's not working for Jews. And he's feeding pigs husk, empty husk, because that's what the world offers. And he's there starving to death and he remembers his father's household. In verse 17, it says, but when he came, chapter 15, verse 17, but when he came to himself, in other words, when he was broken, I know we have wayward children represented in this room. God, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't, you can't force anybody into the kingdom. They've got to be broken. God knows how to take care of that. He let him go out and take that money. He let him make his own decisions. He let him uh, fall on his face. But once he fell on his face, look what happens. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? In other words, hey, my dad, even the servants, they've got bread and bread enough. And I'm out here with us starving to death. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned. He's recognizing his sin, admitting he's a sinner against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son make me like one of your hired servants he remembers his father's house and how he treated him I wonder when our children leave if they'll remember our houses as places of refuge a place to come back to even if they've messed up so bad can they come home to dad and as he's telling this story, Jesus is telling this story as a picture or a metaphor to the Pharisees about the love of God. You know, the par- a lot of times we say the parable is the parable of the prodigal son. It's about the son who leaves. It's not. It's really about the son who stays in the house. He's speaking to the Pharisees. The son who stayed in the house when the, son- when the brother came back, he was mad. He didn't like that the sinner had come home. Oh, why are you letting him back here? But the father said, oh, he's welcome back. Verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. Compassion is love in action. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Can we bow our heads this morning? Man, I don't do it as good as that movie. But dads, every father here, every man here, guys, we got to rise to the challenge. There's a generation that is rotting away. There's a generation that is slipping away. And it is not the responsibility of the school system. It's not the responsibility of those outside of the church. I believe it is the church's call. We, we, we believe in sending missionaries all around the world, but we need missionaries in America, in the families. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> Why don't we stand this morning? You can just open your eyes. You can stand. <laughs> I want to read two things real quick. 2 Corinthians 6.18 I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. As we father and as we parent dads, God is going to help us. If you're a child here today or a young man or young woman here today and you don't have a dad in your life or a mother in your life, listen to what Psalm says. 
when my father and my mother forsake me you did nothing wrong you were born God loves you he has not forgotten about you if you don't have a mom or a dad in your life it says this then the Lord will take care of me I like that promise that's a whole lot better than any earthly dad or earthly mom if you believe that and receive that I believe that God is looking out over your life you're not doomed to be a statistic you're doomed to success can I get an amen you're you're destined for success you're destined to prosper because God is your father